Hey everybody, and uh, thank you again, I always say this, for joining me today on another episode of the NHS 100K podcast with me, Matt Taylor. Thank you for all your support. Um, back on YouTube now, so that's good. So that was just a, a brief seven-day ban, um, and we're still here. So, But uh, as I'll put in the description, BitChute will be back up. Um, I might go onto some other platforms soon if I find the time, but BitChute uh, seems to be um, doing okay for now. So I've got a, a brilliant guest today, Anthony Weber, who has a background in politics He's a political strategist, oh, I can't even say the word, strategist uh, and campaigner and commentator, broadcaster and writer. And he's going to come and have a little chat to us today about Ukraine, which I know is a bit of a uh, subject for people, um, and just how um, he thinks that um, our stance should be as a country, which I'm kind of intend inclined to agree with as well. So, hi, Anthony. Thanks for joining me today. Hello, Matt, and well done with everything you do and everything NHS 100 does as well. And um, um, it's great to all of us be part of this wide freedom movement of many organisations, but all, more and more sort of working together. And uh, obviously, there's a lot of work to do in the near future. 100%. Well, like I say to all my guests, I'll send you a check in the post for that uh, brief little big up there, mate. So I do appreciate that. So... Uh, Lots of stuff going on at the minute, which um, some people may or may not be aware of. And obviously, you're going to be talking about a bit of a sticky subject, which, you know, I think people aren't completely aware of what's going on, but are aware that they might not be getting told everything. So just can you just give us a brief background of sort of where you've come from and what you're going to be doing going forward with the Ukraine um, petition and everything else? Right. Well, just very briefly, um, I've been involved with the freedom movement from the beginning and um, uh, sort of a little bit way into the sort of start of all these things going on. I involved myself in setting up the National Alliance for Freedom, which was aimed to be a sort of coordinating body. Um, but um, basically, uh, we've just been working with anyone who um, has been standing up for freedom. So that's numerous uh, groups uh, got involved with uh, the coordination of a number of groups uh, through something called the Movements of Movements. Uh, but basically, uh, we've all been having to hit the, the, the ground running and uh, we've just had to move from issue to issue and doing the best we can. Hopefully during the summer, we had a chance to have a bit of a regroup and be more prepared for what's coming ahead in, in the coming months. But uh, basically very committed like you are, Matt, and all your yeah. followers uh, to the freedom of this country. So when we when we spoke before, you said you were uh, an MP. Uh, whereabouts were you an MP at? You did tell me, but if, it eludes me. Oh, well, that, that's no problem. Uh, yes, um, I'm originally from Guernsey. Uh, so between 1991 and 2004, which is 13 years, I was uh, what's called uh, a, a member of the Guernsey Parliament, which is um, a population of give or take about 68,000. Uh, covers uh, the island of Oldney as well and uh, although it's very autonomous uh, it, the, it's a crown dependency like Jersey and the Isle of Man uh, they're still um, basically linked to the United Kingdom through the British Crown um, and um, I suppose the powers I would have had would have been similar to those of a county councillor something like that um, but I, uh, most of my family are 
in the UK, so I'm more UK based now. And um, it's actually the place to be anyway if we want to uh, fight for freedom. Um, but um, I will say this, um, I have sort of kept in touch with what's going on in Guernsey and I did have an article uh, in one of the local media there, uh, which also ended up being in the Daily Express as well, but saying that uh, the restrictions they had in Guernsey were worse than uh, were experienced during the German Nazi occupation. So that's the sort of thing we all know we've had to put up with, not just in the UK, but even in the territories the UK are responsible for. But um, I, I obviously um, do quite a lot in terms of campaigning, but also rising and uh, being on the media as well. So try my best. But I think we all feel we're, we're never quite doing enough. We always feel that we, we need to achieve more. And somebody said to me the other day, well, you know, you should be celebrating our successes um, more. Um, but um, uh, I, I think a lot of groups do actually do this uh, when when something, even of a small victory, has been achieved. Um, but, um, of course, now, um, I mean, I'm involved in a few issues, but the uh, what's obviously happened recently since February is the uh, Ukraine uh, situation has come up. Uh, and I don't know if you want me to explain a little bit about that one or... Well, let me just, because it segues nicely into, because you sent me an article earlier, so you, you do some writing for uh, Unity News Network. Yeah. So I've, I've read a couple of bits and pieces on on that. Um, can you just is it is it can you just explain a little bit to those of us that might know not know who they are? Are they all an alternative media platform? Yes, um, the NSC News has been around for a few years. Um, it's um, most people know the lead correspondent who's called David Clues. Um, David, like me, is somebody who gets active as well as doing his broadcasting and writing. Um, but um, basically, yes, the alternative free media. And there, there's a, a small number of, of those. Um, but, you know, they need to be, uh, people need to be more aware of them. So we're all doing our best in that respect. But it, it's very, very difficult um, because, you know, we, to promote these things, to get the awareness uh as you'll find with your own podcast it's it's an uphill struggle and if you work hard you, you get there in the end but um yes it's not the only one i've also uh written in the conservative woman which has been very uh against the lockdowns and against the uh covid19 vaccines and so on so there's there's quite a few but um obviously a lot needs to be done, you know, because we need to get the really big organ audiences to, to to make a difference. But we need to bear in mind, you know, two or three years ago, we didn't have much of this. So we've now got an alternative voice, which we didn't have before. Maybe small, but it's growing all the time. So that's the, the positive way to look at it. Yeah, the, the foundations are there. We just need to build yeah. on it now, don't we? That's, uh, I think, a bit of... So obviously, going back to what we were just briefly discussing, so the Unity News Network, it obviously sent me an article that you'd wrote about uh, Ukraine and the uh, your kind of stance on it with some some interesting 
<laughs> facts in the article, which I suggest you all read, which I'll put a link in the in the thingy below. So Ukraine. So I'm going to just kick it over to you and you can start wherever you want, basically. All right. Right. OK, Matt. Well, um, the thing is, um, we'd sort of barely got out of the lockdown and all the restrictions uh, when uh, it appeared that the then Prime Minister Boris Johnson uh, was using the situation in Ukraine to try and uh, make out he was doing something really important. And that was so important that um, he didn't need to be questioned about all the things he'd been doing wrong. But uh, basically, the conflict, as we know, started in February of this year. And um, Boris Johnson was one of the first prime ministers to uh, commit their country to helping in the situation in Ukraine. Uh, and I think um, at the start, some people in the freedom movement were sympathetic to uh, the, the cause because they'd been given the uh, a one-sided picture by the old mainstream media. Uh, but uh, I think uh, after a number of weeks, um, as the picture became clearer and uh, people did more research on the historical background and what had been going on, uh, you know, the fact that particularly large parts of eastern Ukraine had been um, shelled and attacked by the Zelensky government simply because um, they were Russian speaking and um, uh, the, the, the history goes back a while, but there was actually President Zelensky originally got to power uh, promising peace between the various communities in Ukraine because obviously there's a large Russian-speaking element, so a good sort of 20%, uh, but you have got other minorities as well as Ukrainians. Um, but um, uh, what happened uh, back in um, 2014 was... Uh, they, there was uh, a president who wanted um, the Ukraine to be neutral and be non-aligned. And if that had continued, we'd still have a peaceful Ukraine now. Uh, but there was actually a coup d'etat, um, uh, and that was actually organised by uh, the, the Americans and the CIA. And um, cutting a long story short, uh, there was an election... President Zelensky was elected. Uh, he said he wanted to have peace between the communities, but uh, clearly that's not been the case. And he's continued with with this sort of anti-Russian agenda. And um, we have to bear in mind that since 1991, the Ukraine had been quite a, a peaceful country where the various communities had got on with each other. And one of the sad things which has been going on is because certain extreme elements have been have taken over in um, Ukraine, uh, there's a sort of anti-Russian uh, feeling has uh, really been very predominant. But anyway, cutting a long story short, um, there was something called the Minsk Agreement, uh, which would have safeguarded uh, peace uh, between um the, the, the communities in the Ukraine. Um, but um, unfortunately, the, um, there was a lot of aggression which continued from the government uh, of President Zelensky. And this resulted in things getting so bad 
um, you know, you were discriminated against if you're a Russian, Russian language being banned and all this sort of thing. Uh, that um, you, you had a situation where um, uh, President Putin had no alternative but to, um, you know, get, get involved directly in the, in the conflict. And this was after, and I think we all saw it at the time, uh, the, the Russian forces uh, outside Ukraine sort of going backwards and forth, uh, people saying they were going to invade, but never getting around to it. So there were plenty of opportunities for peace, but they, they weren't taken up. Um, but um, what what's obviously happened in the Ukraine is um, it, it started off with um, the the UK government, even though we had no proper defence uh, treaty or proper economic treaty or any uh, interest whatsoever in uh, the Ukraine, uh, Boris Johnson decided that um, he was going to help the Ukrainian government. Um, and you know you have to bear in mind the consequences of that because if you're um, directly up against a major power, which which Russia is, um, there are going to be consequences. But it was sort of little steps, and it started off with sort of aid, then it became uh, military aid, uh, and it was supposed supposed to be sort of they termed it defensive military aid. But as we now know. Uh, a lot of that so-called defensive military aid has ended up killing lots of civilians. Um, so um, it, it, it's um, it, it's almost a, a war by stealth where it's increased all the time. And um, I was sort of very concerned uh, because I could see the way things were going. And um, I'm also very... Um, sort of concerned about um, global vested interests using world situations for their own ends. And I could see uh, that this was becoming very much a globalist vested interest uh, conflict. And of course, if you look at the Ukraine, uh, there's a huge amount of wealth in terms of raw materials, minerals, uh, uh, food uh, is produced, fertilizer, you name it. There's there's a lot there. Now, prior to this conflict, uh, that was all available to the outside world. Uh, but now it appears that there's um, a keenness for one set of globalist vested interests to take control of those. Um, but going back to the uh, conflict, what, what concerned me is... We had just uh, done a so-called deal with the Taliban in Af Afghanistan uh, where we'd spent 20 years, we'd had hundreds of our own forces killed, thousands injured. Uh, the Afghan uh, army themselves had had, uh, I think it was about 150,000 casualties. But uh, we went down the road of doing a deal with people who didn't have the slightest interest in democracy, were fundamentalist Islamists, uh, didn't believe in rights for women, didn't believe in human rights. Uh, yet, for some reason, they were quite prepared to just abandon 26 million people in Afghanistan and just exit. And um, it's quite possible that there was a lot of bribery going on 
with um, certain very rich Gulf states who are fundamentalists in nature, uh, who were effectively controlling the Taliban, who uh, had a great influence in this. Uh, we, need, we need to bear in mind that uh, Pakistan had been uh, helping the Taliban right from day one. Um, and we, you know, we, we didn't actually do anything about that. So um, I sort of thought, well, what's going on here? We're, we're abandoning Afghanistan. And now suddenly, uh, when we're not prepared to even give one piece of arms help to the anti-Taliban resistance, which still is on to this day uh, through the former vice president of Afghanistan, um, yet somehow, immediately, we were giving a billion pounds of arms to uh, Ukraine, which, as we now know, uh, through Liz Truss's uh, announcement, that's gone up to uh, about four and a half billion pounds worth of arms. And it, the whole total age package comes to over seven billion. And um, you have to sort of think, well, what is going on here? Because it's hardly in uh, British interests. And what are the consequences? Um, and uh, going back to the initial stages, I, I made the decision with a number of others that we had to put a parliamentary petition together uh, to ensure that the UK was where it was before, which was a neutral country, and became a peacemaker in the region rather than uh, as we've seen, uh, it's been a blatant warmonger actually going so far as to encourage the uh, Zelensky government not even to uh, sign a peace deal, which they were uh, about to do in April of this year. Uh, so we, we've got a lot of blood on our hands through our government. But part of the big the problem is... Um, there's, it's been like the COVID situation. Uh, the media uh, has been 100% controlled and it's been absolutely impossible to have a debate, to have another point of view. Um, and this has been helped by the fact that uh, the, the opposition parties, particularly uh, the Labour Party, um, have gone along with this scenario. Um, now, when I put the petition together, uh, it was a case of um, the UK would potentially save about a billion pounds. Now, you can't change petitions once they've started, but um, as we can see, it's now well over seven billion pounds uh, we, we could have saved if we hadn't gone down that road. But far worse than that, um, the, um, the consequences to the economy of being involved are... Uh, have been uh, absolutely amazing. Uh, the government deciding to support uh, domestic users of energy is going to cost between 150 and 200 billion. And the decision to help uh, the other users, business you know, users, schools, uh, and so on, pubs, etc., that's going to cost between 25 and 50 billion. Now, that figure, you could actually uh, completely abolish business rates. That just shows you how much money we're talking about. Uh, you know, there are far better things you could do with that money. But, you know, they say the government's helping us, but it's actually uh, coming from 
the taxpayers here and it's going to put um, uh, the UK in, in a very small select club of uh, you know countries with, the, with some of the worst national debts in the world uh, and all unnecessary and um, you, we actually had a situation that the last leadership um, debate with the Conservative contenders, Rishi Sunak and Liz Truss, they actually finally admitted that the British public were going to have to suffer for their Ukraine proxy war. Uh, but now we're getting the figures as to how much um, the public are going to have to suffer. And every day there's, there's more and more reasons as to why um, this petition is really the only way out to um, to get this policy changed because they're just going to get worse and worse and worse. So be, they've actually, even Liz Truss has actually said that that's the minimum amount they're going to be giving. Uh, you look at the fact that part of the reason why we had the rail and tube strikes was because the government uh, cut four billion from the tube and rail budgets. And that money has gone to another country uh, another country where there's hardly any accountability for how the money is spent because um, Ukraine is one of the top 30 most corrupt countries in the world. Uh, and I, I find it absolutely irresponsible, uh, even if this was a, a good cause, to uh, give such huge amounts of money away without any accountability and transparency. Uh, and, and we do know that um, there have been a number of instances where arms have been supplied and these arms have ended up not getting to their destination. They've been sold off to to other countries. So it's, it's a complete calamity, but it's a, particularly for the British public because uh, the British public desperately does need financial help. Uh, you look at the help which is given to... Uh, the business energy users, uh, it's only been 40% of the future NET bills, so they're still going to have to pay 60%. And that's going to um, cause a lot of, not just headaches, but people going out of business. And that is only for six months. Uh, it's going to be sort of reviewed. Um, and what, what we're told is, ah, oh, but the government's got a long-term plan uh, by... 2035, 2040 to be energy self-sufficient. Well, you know, the country could well be completely gone by then because uh, if you destroy industry, you destroy business, you destroy people's livelihoods, uh, it's not going to be able to wait that long. But ironically, on so many different fronts, this policy is wrong. I mean, just to give you an example, those who support the green agenda, it's obviously put the green agenda back and the government is now um, uh, investing money in nuclear power, which is actually very unsafe and extremely costly. It's about 10 times more costly than, say, uh, wind, wind power. So um, it, it, everything is being done which is not sensible and we're, we're really lacking in having, um, a, you know, an opposition party which can be saying, well, you should be doing this, you should be doing that, you, you, what you're doing 
uh, doesn't make any sense. And all we have to do is go back to some previous elections we've had where um, parties have been accused of being, uh, there'd be a disaster if they got in power because they they don't know, they wouldn't know how to run the economy. Yet we've had, you know, the last three or four years with this, this government, they've wrecked havoc on our economy. Um, uh, and the, yes, and, and it's all under underplayed. So um, even with these, the, the media presenting the situation with the energy uh, crisis, um, they're making out all oh, everything's hunky dory. Uh, oh, the government can afford to um, give income tax reductions. I mean, everything is sort of Alice in Wonderland, uh, and is all going to be very difficult for our children and grandchildren to deal with because they're the ones who are going to have to uh, pick up the tab. But I think the main thing we need to realise is none of this would be happening if uh, we we stop this Ukraine policy uh, because by stopping it and becoming neutral, that in itself, because we've been a major player in this issue, would encourage the peace process. And we had an absolutely ludicrous situation uh, only a day ago where the culture secretary said that uh, supplying more arms to Ukraine would bring down the price of energy. Now, <laughs> that, that is, I mean, but, you know, they, they think they can get away with these things and because the media don't question them on it, uh, you know, they're encouraged to say even more, uh, ludicrous things and meanwhile you know other countries in the world are doing energy deals with with Russia we had uh, Japan and South Korea recently doing them we've had India um, and yet the British public are expected to suffer uh, and it's just so many things we've had the interest rates just go up that's going to affect so many people um, we, we've got um, uh, borrowing is, is going up all the time, not just government borrowing, but uh, individual and company borrowing. Uh, and um, we, we've got uh, effectively a recession on our hands. But the government seems to think that all this is worth it because we're uh, defending democracy and freedom. And that nobody in the old mainstream media is actually questioning that and sort of saying, well, um, actually, where is the democracy and freedom in the uh, Ukraine? Because we, we know, well, uh, I, I'd say you and I probably know, but uh, the most of the public in the UK don't know that the uh, Zelensky government in Ukraine doesn't tolerate having a free media. They lock up journalists who... Uh, disagree with them, uh, and they're no more free uh, than, in fact, Russia, because both Russia and Ukraine have uh, democratic systems with the presidential elections, and you could argue that the Ukraine one is more corrupt, but uh, basically you can't argue that we in the UK are fighting for freedom and democracy because it's effectively two democratic countries uh, in a conflict with, with one another. So we're just being 
uh, told a, a, a lot of nonsense there. And even with um, the announcement by uh, President Putin uh, the other day about uh, the fact that he um, put, it, put out his view uh, that uh, the whole situation in Ukraine had come about because um, a number of countries involved with NATO, particularly the United States, have uh, basically dishonoured the uh, Gorbachev, uh, Thatcher, Reagan uh, deal, which was done, which resulted in the Soviet Union uh, disbanding, the Warsaw Pact disbanding, but NATO never did disband. And at the time, it was a commitment there would be no further expansion of NATO. And at one time, and a lot of people don't know this, at one time it was considered that Russia would uh, actually even join NATO. I was so, just going to say that. I, they, they were offered to join NATO. I can't remember. It was before Putin came in, wasn't it? Um, what was the one? It wasn't Gorbachev. It was one beginning with S. Str Str um, yes. I can't yes, and they refused, um, didn't they? Russia refused because they didn't want to bow. They saw it as bowing to the Americans or something like that. Yes, but it, it shows that um, how things have, have changed. Um, but, um, you know, we, we've got a situation now where uh, the public are sort of expected to go in almost like a never-ending story of continuous support for the Zelensky government in Ukraine. And now that they're putting across to the preposterous idea that Ukraine can actually win this war, uh, and um, you know it, it's uh, an absolutely ludicrous point of view to to to, to mention, uh, because what will happen is um, at, at some stage the Zelensky government is going to have to uh, go back to the negotiating table. And they will end up uh, having less of the country than they had at the start. Now, if they'd done a deal back in April, which was on the table, and Boris Johnson interfered by bribing the UK uh, money, um, it would have been a lot more peaceful for the people of Ukraine. But what we've got at the moment is we've got an ever-increasing threat to world peace because um, the situation is actually getting out of hand. And um, you can perhaps understand the Russian point of view that if people like um, the UK government are going out of their way to help another uh, government to basically kill, kill and maim their, uh, not only their armed forces, but uh, their own civilians, that is going to uh, not help uh, rapport between uh, two countries. Uh, so um, if you want to um, bring about uh, peace and tranquility, uh, you, you have to, to stop um, the warmongering. And I, I think part of the, the problem is that if we accept that the Ukraine cannot possibly win this war, what's the point of encouraging them to continue to fight? And the answer to that is that the globalist interests, who have far too much influence on our government and the government of the United States, 
really couldn't care less about the Ukrainian people because remember they've got uh, full conscription. Uh, all their adult males have to uh, serve in the military. Um, they they don't actually care how many of those people are killed and become can, cannon fodder and so on because the whole objective is to weaken Russia. Uh, and that that um, is becoming more and more apparent now. And we, the UK, as a supposedly independent neutral country, we should be saying, no, we, we don't want to have conflict with any country in the world. We want to do what is not just in the interests of British citizens, but, you know, we're prepared to pay our part for world peace. And that that's sort of what's not happening at the moment. And I, I think um, if you look at the freedom movement, there's very large sections of the freedom movement who very much believe in love, peace and uh, tranquility. And um, to actually be, to have our government uh, really stirring up this proxy war uh, isn't in keeping with, with the way a lot of us uh, think, but it is such double standards and hypocrisy if you look at what uh, the, the government did with uh, Afghanistan. And you've got the same people who uh, were quite happy to have a deal with the Taliban, but they're telling the Ukraine government not to do a deal with the Russians. And uh, you know, this is where we're being really let down by the mainstream media because people should really be uh, taken to task for these these things. Uh, and you know, it, it's 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 very sad, um, but it, it's it's coming to the point where um, uh, we know that there's sort of aggressive feelings stirred up against not only Russia as a country but uh, Russian people. And, um, you know, we, we don't normally consider it acceptable to um, uh, have um, criticisms of other nationalities. I mean, you'd, you'd be, in the UK, you'd be hauled up before uh, uh, for, for just disc discrimination and so on. But somehow it's deemed acceptable to say that you want to, to kill Russians um, and... Uh, you know, what's happened to, you know, our standards in life? And, and one thing which struck me about the um, funeral of Her Majesty Queen Elizabeth II was um, it came out that she very much believed in peace and harmony and certainly in her own way, she'd done quite a lot in the world in that respect. But the... Um, Government totally dishonoured that with the funeral arrangements because whereas uh, King Charles III was able to control the funeral arrangements for royalty and some personal guests, the uh, diplomatic guest list was, was effectively taken over by uh, Liz Truss and her government. And normally with a funeral, uh, you invite... Uh, people, all countries you've got diplomatic relations with. Well, of course, we have got diplomatic relations with with Russia. Now, going back to 
uh, Queen Elizabeth II's father, when he had his funeral back in 1953, I think it was, uh, both the then communist soviet union ambassador was invited and so was the communist uh president of yugoslavia yet on this occasion uh we've had what can only be described as a complete rude snub to to russia uh and and indeed one or two other countries as well yet we still invited china communist china so uh, there's just complete double standards, but uh, I personally thought it was um, not in keeping with um, what Queen Elizabeth, if, if, if one believes in what is said about Queen Elizabeth II's uh, Christian principles, I think it was actually a betrayal of those and using the funeral for uh, political purposes um so um it, it, it's it's just like um when uh king charles the third went on his tour of the four nations of the uk um the prime minister uh asked and was enabled to go on the tour with king charles now that is not an accepted thing to do uh but it, it was almost like piggybacking on uh, the popularity of the with the public of uh, Queen Elizabeth II. So um, there's a lot of things sort of going on at the moment, but uh, which we should be concerned about. But I, I think with the Ukrainian situation, if we are a proper democracy, then we will have a debate about this issue, and that that's. Um, a reason on its own to sign the petition because this petition is being completely no platformed by all the mainstream media. And, um, you know, people who keep an eye on petitions will notice that if the mainstream media want to promote something, they will certainly do that. And, um, uh, you know, people who believe that things should be discussed, there should be openness, freedom, and everything else, they should certainly uh, be, be signing the uh, petition. But, you know, obviously many other reasons to, to sign it as well. Um, but the, the, the key thing, and I've been involved with a number of freedom movement petitions, is because the mainstream media uh, block them, uh, we have to work 10 times as hard to get the message out there that that petition actually exists um, and um, I think we're now in the situation where most people in the freedom movement do understand that we we must become neutral in Ukraine uh, which wasn't necessarily the case at the beginning um, but we, it, what it has exposed this Ukrainian situation is where we thought a couple of the old mainstream media might be open to have free debate um they they haven't been uh and uh that that's shown their colors their their ownership and so on but it's also shown up one or two um so-called uh freedom parties or organizations who theoretically um got together on the back of the freedom 
movement, but uh, they they don't promote freedom causes as such. Uh, I, I can think of not just the Ukrainian petition, but one or two others as well, where uh, they, they haven't been backed at all. But um, uh, you've got a small number of these, including some um, online media, um, where they're, they're sort of um, criticising people for um, wanting to sign the, peti uh, the petition and uh, criticising people for uh, express expressing another point of view on the Ukraine. Um, and, and that's the thing. And I think, you know, the, the message I would say to everyone listening is uh, don't let people get away with it. Um, I heard some story the other day where uh, somebody had attacked the MP for um, supporting the government's Ukraine policy. And that uh, MP, she said to her constituent, well, go and live in Russia. Now, that's the sort of thing uh, which is just not acceptable, um, that uh, if you want to debate things, if you want to do things which are in your country's interest, you're accused of uh, supporting the views of, of another country. And, and that really does have to be challenged because you only have to look at the financial figures to see that um, it's, it's just not in any, not in the interests of the UK, not in the interests of citizens of the UK to um, have, a, have an involvement in uh, the Ukraine. Um, so there, there's a big battle, but um, it, it, it's a lot to do with getting p key people on board and some people have been actually frightened to put their names to challenging the the government's policy um but this this country is being destroyed by the government's policy and i think uh anyone who sort of questions in any way uh whether perhaps they should support the the government should think well you know, um, are you going to fiddle while Rome burns sort of thing? Because that that is what what is happening. Uh, and what we've got to bear in mind is the government did do a lot of destroying with their COVID-19 policy. And they're doing a similar thing with this uh, Ukraine policy uh, and the same sort of control of the media and same sort of tactics using the intelligence agencies and everything else. And um, it's very important that we stand up for uh, freedom. And um, to me, this is a cross-party issue uh, and we need to represent people in the other parties who are not happy with the conduct of their own parties on this issue. Um, and if you think about it, if you've got an issue of this magnitude, and there's no uh, <clears throat> parliamentary opposition, then we have got uh, a serious problem with, with, with our country, which is why um, we do have an avenue of going for a referendum. And um, we've, we've seen in the past when we had um, the EU referendum, people did get out and vote. And um, we, we've had a situation where the government's as good as taken the nation to war in respect of 
the Ukraine without the consent of the people. Uh, so the position is very much saying, uh, you know, we're demanding to have a say in this. Um, but I would say, obviously, we, we don't need to have a referendum if the government changes its policy. So um, that that's a reason, you know, th this petition and the wording has been very well thought out to cover all sides of the, the issue. Uh, and um, the only thing which is out of date is the fact that uh, we, it's been um, far more costly than we thought it would be. And it's going to continue to be costly. Uh, and, um, you know, if, if, if they get away with this, they, they'll sort of get away with anything, basically. So we've got to stand up on this. Wow. Crikey, mate. I think, I think I've never said as the least amount on a podcast ever at the moment, to be honest with you. <laughs> there's, there's a lot to unpack, but let's back the truck up a little bit. And um, so why, why, why did, I mean, those of us that know have our suspicions, but why, do you, why did Putin allegedly go and start trouble with Ukraine most recently? Well, um, you're, you, it, it's fundamentally because uh, the, the Russians in uh, parts of Eastern Ukraine. That that's the Russian speaking. Yes, yeah. um, uh, were being discriminated against and targeted, and uh, there has actually been some conflict for some time. And um, this could have been um, all avoided if the uh, Ukrainian government had gone back to the principles they had from. 1991, where all members of the community were treated equally, and there wasn't discrimination between uh, different um, language groups and so on. Uh, and I mean, to give you an example, there's a sort of thing which is going on. One of the repercussions of this uh, issue has been in one of, uh, I think it's Latvia, uh, it could be Lithuania, but um, the Russian speakers there are told to sit at the back of the bus. So all this issue is encouraging uh, uh, people to, to be against Russians. Now, the way I see it, I don't want the Iranians to be against Russians or, or Estonians to be against Russians or uh, in the Ukraine, Russian-speaking or Hungarian or Polish-speaking uh, uh, Ukrainians to be against each other. Uh, the fact is you can have harmony with people living together, but once you uh, actually encourage people to sow disunity and uh, discord and you, you sort of give the impression it's all right to do it, then um, people who are perhaps on the more extreme elements will actually go ahead and and do that. So I, I think um, it was a question of uh, a twofold issue as to why President Putin got involved. One was because of uh, the situation in places like the Donbass, uh, but also because um, the Ukraine said it wanted to join the EU and NATO. And that was something which for many years had been agreed would not be the case. And 
certainly the evidence building up over the years was that um, uh, NATO or basically the United States was trying to uh, come have some sort of encirclement of Russia. So um, I think uh, my view is that um, having a neutral non-aligned Ukraine would have been the best way to um, bring about uh, peace uh, and that had been shown to be the case in the, in, in the, in the past. Uh, and I think people need to bear in mind that if Russia had really wanted to and right at the beginning uh, had a proper war against Ukraine, then uh, Ukraine wouldn't have particularly lasted long. But uh, Russia has had some specific objectives. Uh, the, the problem is they've been derided and it's been made out that, um, you know, any movement by Russian forces has been uh, classified as being defeated. Uh, yes, of course, they've had the odd setback, but broadly... Uh, they continue uh, to advance. And they, during all of that, innocent people on both sides get killed and injured. Uh, and we, um, if we're a peacekeeping com- uh, country, we shouldn't uh, be, be happy with that at all. But I, I think um, if, we, if the mainstream media did actually analyse all the evidence and put it out in the public eye, Instead of uh, a one-sided point of view that uh, you know President Putin and Russia are the aggressor, uh, then people would see that it isn't a straightforward situation at all, and it does require a lot of diplomacy and um, sense. And I think it's not helped when you get people like the Prime Minister, this trust using the United Nations to basically slag off another country. Um, you know, you, you should, as a prime minister of a country, be in a position to um, use the diplomatic means and persuasion to um, uh, bring about uh, peace. And, uh, it, you know, it's a sad thing, going back to the funeral of Queen Elizabeth II, but... Uh, the, the royal family had had President Putin to Buckingham Palace. They themselves had been to Russia. Um, uh, the Prince, uh, King Charles III, had been to Russia a number of times when he was um, Prince Charles. And a number of other royals had gone to, to Russia. So clearly um, there was a motivation on their part to bring about... Um, Reproachment between um, Russia and uh, the UK. And of course, we have to remember that Russia was not just uh, the UK's ally in the First World War, but in the Second World War as well. And we can't sort of discount those things. Um, so these things are all uh, brushed aside, unfortunately. And one of the things I think the freedom movement does need to have as, a, as an objective uh, is to have a, a proper free media because 
it, it's not just the BBC. I mean, in fact, sometimes the BBC is not as bad as some of the other ones. It's the fact that um, there is this globalist vested interest control of our media and um, it's done by various means. You could do a whole program on how it's actually done, but the fact is we, we have the, the control similar to if the country was at war. So we have that same control during COVID, we're having the same uh, control with the Ukrainian situation. And the only place you can get anything like pre-discussion is with obviously podcasts like your own uh, and social media. Um, but, you know, it's getting to the point where uh, there's, there's more censorship on social media. And there was certainly a huge amount during the, the, the COVID uh, scenario. Um, so, um, you know, it, 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 we're, we're in a difficult situation and... Um, uh, you, you look at um, whatever people say about Mrs. Thatcher, uh, she was able to, to have the decision-making ability to fight a war which was just and which could be won, not only the Falklands, but also to, um, uh, you know, have the courage to negotiate with the Soviet Union. Now, those are positives. I mean, she had lots of negatives in her uh, period of power, you know, being in the minus tribe and all this sort of thing. But um, what we need to do with our current prime minister is to say, look, this this conduct of yours is is not on, and we need to you to change policy. So, why why do you think they want to war so badly? Then, sorry, why? Why do you think they want a war so badly? Because obviously they, that's why the media is lying about everything. Well, I say lying, but that's why we're getting, kind of getting one uh, There needs to be support for a war, doesn't there, usually? Um, where, and the, before, the, the war that we had technically on the, on the, you know, the, the East, if you will, the Taliban and all that kind of stuff, which, by the way, Pakistan, we supply weapons to Pakistan from England, yeah. Saudi Arabia yeah. as well. So, and then, we, you know, as you mentioned earlier, Pakistan support the Taliban. And we helped train the Taliban back in the 70s. The Britons, British did to fight against the Russians. So it's all one big kind of mess where we've all we've all helped each other and all shit on each other, haven't we, <laughs> over the decade? Oh, oh yeah. So, I mean, very, you know, we uh, the UK government did um, help the uh, Al-Qaeda Islamist fundamentalists in Syria, which is an appalling thing because mm -hmm. they were fighting against Christians in Syria and um, basically a secular government which allowed all faiths to uh, to practice. Uh, so, you know, there's never been a proper debate about how appalling that policy uh, was. Um, but, um, yeah, it, it, we, we've got a pretty um, crazy situation. Um the um the the um I, I suppose you just go back to the nub of your question yeah, sorry I said, so why do you think the uh, they want a war so badly essentially um, yes because um you know very very sadly um uh the companies which uh, are involved in uh manufacture of arms and 
military planes and the whole military hardware scenario uh, have made huge profits since um, you know, the Iraq war, um, Afghanistan, various other uh, places. You know, there's been uh, um, interference in Libya, for instance. Um, and um, here we have a situation where these uh, companies can uh, have a huge amount of profit. Um, we were about to go in a situation where a lot of nations were reducing their defence expenditure. Um, but what, what's been happening is the money has been going into more and more expensive items of defence equipment, whether they're very expensive tanks or artillery or uh, technological um, improvements or aircraft. They're all very, very expensive. And, um, uh, you know, this unfortunately does give more profits for those companies. And it, it, it's incredible that it appears they have that much influence with um, uh, politicians. But um, you can only assume that um, it's not just some of the politicians and the Zelensky government, but it's some of our own and you only have to look at say the situation with president biden's son's tapes and his mm. connections with the ukraine yeah. to realize there's it, 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 it isn't real apparently <laughs> but there's yeah. sort of a bottomless pit of um awful things going on um which are certainly not in the interest of ordinary citizens but do um benefit people who uh, have got sort of financial interests in all sorts of companies who would benefit from from warmongering. Uh, and, um, you know, that that's a sad fact because uh, when the mainstream media do want to turn the peace taps on, they're quite capable of doing that. And you might remember when we had the appalling a deal with the Taliban, which President Trump um, was foolish enough to um, implement, um, the, suddenly the media were saying, oh, well, the um, country shouldn't be involved in other countries, etc., etc. Um, nothing was said about the betrayal of Afghanistan, but what was said is, oh, we must bring the translators back. So it's all right to bring you know, a small number of translators and their families back, one or two other people, but it, it, it's quite all right to deprive, you know, betray 26 million people and betray what people have been fighting for for, for many years, you know, because part of it was to give people, uh, they did have a democratic system, it did have its faults, um, there was corruption, but it was certainly better than what is, was on offer with the Taliban and all that was thrown away because we didn't even involve the Afghan government with these negotiations. And uh, people might remember that when the Americans left the uh, background uh, air base, they didn't even tell uh, the Afghan forces in the area that they were disappearing. So it, it was absolutely terrible. But it does make you uh, 
think um, when you bear in mind that um, apparently it would have only taken a continuance of three and a half thousand forces in Afghanistan and the psychological um, commitment to be there uh, for the, the very large Afghan forces to maintain control. Uh, so we, 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 it was costing the UK a billion pounds a year to be in Afghanistan, which is nothing compared with what is being paid out in respect of uh, the Ukraine. But uh, there was very small price to pay for stability in Afghanistan. And it was put across by the media that uh, all the, the Taliban were unstoppable, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, you know, they never actually won any battle. The only um, reason they actually succeeded was once the deal was announced, uh, those people who were supporting the legitimate Afghan government were totally demoralised because they basically the Americans and others said they were leaving. And it was a bit like uh, when the Americans left Vietnam. Um, they, they just dropped, dropped in it sort of thing. So, um, but uh, there, there's the feeling um, that uh, if you look at the people in the Ukraine, that, um, you know, will they be treated the same way? Will they just be, uh, when, when the globalist vested interests have achieved their objectives, uh, will they just forget about them? Um, they're, they're certainly not bothered about all the casualties. Um, so, um, you know, time, time will, will tell on that. But, the, you know, the, the big issue is, um, you know, having a free and open debate on things, because if you're not allowed to debate things, and if you have an issue presented in one way, then uh, what can you do if you're not allowed to put an alternative? Uh, and, you know, we, we've had a situation where uh, the, the government through the media can make people think that an orange is an apple or uh, brown is sort of blue. You know, they, they, they're so good at the propaganda. It's just like with um, the Ukraine conflict situation, um, uh, you know, the, the Russians are constantly accused of atrocities and everything else. When it comes down to it, there's never any proper evidence. But uh, do you have any mention of atrocities by the Ukrainians? No, that never gets anywhere. Um, what British about... Empire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're not exactly nice to people who don't agree with us, are we? As a British, no. uh, you know, we've got a substantial history. I mean, it makes sense because when the whole Ukraine thing started, there was no one talking about peace, like a peaceful resolution. It was always about we need to send them weapons, we need to send them arms, we need to send them this. I mean, I have a company that um, provides event medicine for festivals, and we gave we we had a, a friend of ours approach us who was driving to Ukraine. He was an ex-army medic um, who, who worked for for the ambulance service, and and he took. Uh, we were going to give him one of our old ambulances to take with him, um, so we could go over there and give some cover. And what he described about when he got over the border of Ukraine, the first person he met was an American sergeant, 
who shouted at him asking him what he was doing there. And then he promptly turned around and said, what are you doing here? Because there's not supposed to be any American people here. Um, so that was quite interesting. And that was, God, that was months ago. So it's, but, but, but what I mean is, is, is there was no talk of peace, um, which is never a good sign. It was all about how much money we can give them and we all need to support Ukraine um, with regards to fighting Russia. Uh, but again, we all swallowed it though, didn't we? Like the COVID narrative, that's the thing. And, and it was almost like, look guys, we've just had two years of, kind of being told the truth but not the truth uh and, and now they're just going straight away to something else well, well the, the crazy thing matt is um oh, thank goodness it's only a small proportion but a very small proportion of people in the freedom movement have swallowed it uh mm. and not not seen that it's exactly the same agenda going on and of course she mentioned the presence of american troops in the ukraine of course, there is the view that um, it's not just American, it's UK, and um, it's got to the stage of not just advisors behind the scenes doing the strategic tactics and everything else, but even um, as far as being in, in the front line and uh, coming up with these stories that um, they're ex-military who... Um, so happened to be uh, or something and um it, it, it's um to me you know I, I mean obviously uh they're told that the government will deny anything if they're captured um but to me it, it's a terrible waste of very well trained british military personnel who i've you know, I'd far rather they were helping a more um, suitable cause somewhere else in the world. Uh, and one thing about Afghanistan is, you know, most British forces who were there felt that they were doing a, a good job. And that's just been dumped, basically. Um, and, you know, uh, there's been a number of things, areas of the world where uh, British forces have been uh, done done excellent work, uh, but to get them involved in this surreptitious work, uh, I think is pretty pretty appalling because you can you know you can be in a position where you sort of ask to volunteer, but it won't if you don't volunteer, it won't be in your interests if you turn it down. Um, so. Um, you know, it, it's it's a very difficult situation. Uh, we, we, you know, the public are just given uh, a completely wrong picture all the time. Even with this um, handover of five British people who were serving in the Ukraine, uh, no um, thanks whatsoever. Uh, just criticism of uh, President Putin's policy statement. And I, I think that was actually a big mistake because there still are other people who are still imprisoned. And if one was serious about protecting their interests, you wouldn't um, do and say things which would jeopardise their their release. Um, so, um, you know, it, it's, um, it, it's, it's a terrible um, situation to be in, but if you if you if you go back to how we're being affected as a nation, there should have been 
a proper debate about it because there's more to come because nothing has been said about how we're all affected by the overall cost of food and other items. It's all been about the cost of energy, forgetting about the fact that we've had pretty hefty uh, food price increases, um, you know, over the last few months. And they are, anyone who goes in the shop or supermarket will notice things going up every week uh, and how people are supposed to pay for those things when another consequence of this Ukraine policy is that we're getting wage deflation, that uh, the, the money people get, even if they get a small pay rise, um, it doesn't buy as much because the cost of goods and services has gone up so much. Uh, so people are being given uh, pay decreases in reality uh, by by the government. Uh, and, um, you know, it, it, it's we really should be up in arms about it. Um, and certainly in some other countries in the world, uh, there have been uh, major protests. And I, I think um, we, we're going to get to that stage where um, we're just going to have to do that. And where, where we have, you know, in the past, we've been out on the streets on various issues to do with uh, lockdowns and COVID-19 vaccines and all, all sorts of restrictions, uh, I think, uh, and also other plans are, are foot at the moment, which I've been very involved with, but um, we're, we're going to have to do it regarding this Ukraine because it's actually worse than all the other issues if, if one examines it. But uh, the, the key thing I would say is, you know, it's absolutely essential for people to really promote this because the more people who sign it, uh, it does put pressure on the government. And if, if um, you know, if governments would not take much notice of a petition which hadn't got many signatures. It's just fortunately it's got off to a very good start, but we, we do need it uh, to be all over the place. And this is why people need to share it on social media because it is um, being denied a platform in local and national media. And you won't have any talk shows uh, or news programmes talking about it. And if you remember, one of the things which helped the government was uh, a few months ago, the launch of the Don't Pay uh, organisation, which was, when it was investigated, turned out to be... Um, not just anonymous, but had um, globalist connections. Uh, and this, you know, it sadly did take a few people in. Uh, and um, what it did do is it deflected attention from the government. So people were putting all their uh, aggression and annoyance about energy price rises onto the energy companies and absolutely none at all on the government. So um, obviously some energy companies have gone over the top with price rises, but the key reason has been the political agenda. And what we've now got to do is get back to the political agenda and um, uh, you know, make it quite clear to the government that what they're doing is not, not acceptable at all.
Um, and if you think about it, going back in time, it did take a while to get the government to agree to do a referendum on the EU. Uh, and I hope we don't have to go as far as having a referendum on the Ukraine because, uh, you know, the country could be half destroyed by then. Um, so I'm hoping that the very fact of people signing and sharing uh, will put the pressure on because with a lot of these things, um, it's to do with getting people of influence to change their minds, whether they're MPs or whatever. And you might remember when Boris Johnson, just before he had to resign, um, there were a lot of what you'd call waverers. And what we need to do with the Ukraine policy is get to the people who are wavering uh, and particularly well-known people, because if somebody's got, you know, a couple of hundred thousand followers and they say sign the petition, um, then, you know, that's going to be very helpful indeed. Uh, where, where we, we um, so far, I mean, just started, we've had a number of freedom organisations push it and a number of individuals, but um, we really need more people with lots of followers. Uh, and that, that's, um, and we need more people, uh, when the subject comes up on social media or, or general conversation, just say, look, why are you supporting this um, government policy in Ukraine when it's wrecking the country? I think we've got to go on the offensive and not be timid of saying why we we don't support the government Ukraine policy. Uh, and that, that's really been the issue. The, the propaganda put out by the government has been to make people feel guilty if they oppose it. Well, we've got to turn the tables and make the people who uh, support this policy, make them feel guilty because the whole country is suffering. And, you know, part of the propaganda put out is people are suffering because of, they say, either Putin's war or Russia's war in Ukraine. And that just isn't the truth, because the truth is people are suffering because of the UK government's policy in Ukraine. And uh, even if um, certain other countries were still being aggressive towards Ukraine, if we didn't have sanctions against Russia, if we were trying to bring about peace, it's undoubtedly true that our prices would be a lot lower than they are at the moment. Uh, so we've got to look at what is in our best interests. And if you look at uh, maybe the last 50, 100 years and foreign conflicts which the UK government could have got involved in, there have been... Uh, many um, issues where we haven't got involved because the costs or consequences have not been good for the UK or UK citizens. And a lot of them have been far less than the, the major consequences of um, this Ukraine involvement. Uh, but, you know, you, you, you know, a lot of fuss was made, oh, we should be coming out of Afghanistan. That in the latter years was costing us a billion pounds a year. It wasn't affecting our economy at all. 
It wasn't affecting the livelihoods of people. Uh, this Ukraine policy is, in terms of cost comparison with Afghanistan, it's probably three, four hundred times uh, as much as the the Afghan policy. And, um, you know, we also have to bear in mind that um, we're going to have this government telling people they've got to cut down on uh, the, the services they have from the government, whether it's local or national. We've already had uh, cases of new hospitals uh, building programs being postponed because the money has been held back. And this is, these are all the things which uh, we, we should be um, uh, demanding that, you know, don't happen. Because um, if the government's got money to throw at the Ukraine, then, uh, you know, the UK public are entitled to have that money as well. But um, the, the, one of the really awful things is um, uh, some weeks ago, uh, this trust went to a conference about the restructuring of the Ukraine uh, after the conflict. And obviously, the longer it goes on, the more damage there'll be to the infrastructure and made a commitment to help with, um, you know, building up that infrastructure, which would be literally billions and billions of pounds. Now, uh, I can't uh, remember the UK offering to do that with Iraq, with Syria or many other countries. But, um, you know, th this is to do to make that sort of commitment, you need to have the permission of the British public who don't just pay for this trust, but you know, they're the ones who are, are paying tax. So um, you can't just, just because you're in government, just decide you can do whatever you want. Uh, you know, that, that makes democracy, um, you know, have, have no value whatsoever. Uh, so, so um, you know, there, there are many reasons why this um, petition need to um, be signed. Um, uh, <laughs> I'll okay. probably give a few others once we finish this podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I was going to say, I'm conscious of time here. So, um, Anthony, any final words that you want to say to people? Because I feel we've only just scratched the surface, but we'll have to get you on again to... to, to to talk about it in greater detail because I think I think the main population the people just want to know what's going on really don't they because at the minute if Russia from our perspective Russia just decided to get up one day and start having a fight with Ukraine for no reason and we should think Russia's bad for it and then you've got the other half that have sort of said you know there's always been issues there with Ukraine and Russia half of Ukraine is pro-Russia so you know Putin's just helping his people out we've been you know discriminated against and, and attacked so it, it's it's a web of all sorts of different stuff um but I agree with the pot, the the the, um, the petition as well. I think we should remain neutral to be honest, especially in the situation that we're in now as well, uh, financially as a country uh, coming out of COVID. I don't think we need any more division amongst the population. But so I'll put the link in the description below, as I mentioned. So final words for people, and and obviously where can people find you if they want to reach out to you and speak to you more about stuff? Well, I, I think you know there's a lot of double standards in the world. It's sort of all right uh, for Saudi Arabia to have that awful military involvement in Yemen. It's all right for other countries, including ourselves, to 
uh, have been involved in certain conflicts, but um, uh, somehow, uh, where there's no proper reason for us to be involved in the Ukraine, and by us being involved, we actually stop the peace process. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's just not in uh, British interests at all. And the, the best way we can bring about a change of policy is to, to sign this petition for the UK government to be neutral on Ukraine. Um, if um, I, I should say we've got a, a great team of people working on this petition, but anyone who wants to actively help um, because we, we, we probably will be doing some proper protesting as well. Uh, please get in touch. Um, uh, I will have uh, my Twitter uh, details on this program. Um, I'm also contactable on um, uh, Facebook. And um, uh, basically, I'm on various other social media as well, so I'm not difficult to, to get hold of. Uh, but this is a major fight which uh, should, in, you know, in, um, unite all of us in the freedom movement and um, uh, it will be to our credit if we help save our country because um, the freedom movement has brought together many different people, different political persuasions, different uh, um, racial backgrounds, different, um, all sorts of things. But the one uniting factor has been the belief in freedom issues. And this this is an absolutely major issue because it's to do with uh, globalist um, um, control, trying to um, increase that control. And um, the best thing we can do for them to be defeated in their objectives. Uh, and, you know, if you look at the objectives of what's known as the Great Reset, um, if we become neutral in the Ukraine, then we'll put the Great Reset back a, a huge amount. So um, please, everyone, help as much as you can, whether it's just sitting back and getting people on social media to sign this petition as much as possible, or whether uh, you want to get in touch and be more actively involved, uh, please do so. We've certainly got lots of plans and, um, you know, let's all work together on this one. 100%. Well, listen, Anthony, thank you so much for your time today, mate. I hope you got enough off your chest. We, uh, <laughs> I, need yes. to, I need to come in with a hand signal next time to, to let you know I want to say jump in and stuff, but um, I don't like interrupting people when they're on their, in their flow. Um, I got a dash anyway, so I'm busy. Um, so I'll thank you again for your time today. And I'll give you a shout before we uh, we put this out on Twitter. Should be a couple of weeks, I think. All right. But stick around after we end the recording. I'll have a quick chat to you then, mate. All right. Okay. Thanks, Matt. Cheers. Thank you, everyone else, for watching right. as well. You take care. Cheers.